Welcome to C3 San Diego. Need something fresh, real, and powerful in your life? Connect with us on social media, get live stream service notifications, podcasts, and up-to-date information on upcoming events. We are so glad you're joining us for a powerful, life-transforming message from one of our C3 San Diego pastors. We would love to hear about how God is impacting your life through this ministry. Please share your experience with us at info at c3sandiego.com. If you'd like to be a part of what C3 Church is doing in the city of San Diego and beyond, you can contribute financially by going to c3give.com and choosing the giving option that works best for you. We hope you enjoy this message. So John and I uh, joined C3 Church at the one-year mark. And at that time, there was just a couple hundred people in the church. So it was really easy to be seen, to be noticed. Um, like, it's like, right, like, you, like there was a new person, you're like, oh, they're new, because you knew everybody, you know. So it was really e- easy to be known and, and, and to be noticed when you actually weren't there or things like that. But now at just Central Campus, we have close to 2,500 people that come into these doors every Sunday. And so, which is incredible, and God is growing our church because it's healthy. But also, when the church gets to that size, you can start to really get easily lost amongst the sea of people. And you can easily slip in and slip out without going uh, being noticed. And so I know for years, John and I were a part of a church and we walked in and we walked out and we didn't have a relationship with one single person. And it wasn't because we didn't want a relationship. We actually were only ever greeted at the door and then no one really spoke to each other. And it was actually a, a good church. Like I love that church still. But um, we and even attempted to get connected and we reached out to get into a connect group a couple different times. And for some reason we didn't get a call back. And so the first time we were ever a part of a connect group was one we we led one. We were like, well, no one will call us back to get in one, so we might as well just start one ourselves. And so that's what we did. So that was the way we got connected. But for years, we walked in and walked out, and no one knew our name. No one would have ever known if anything went down in our world. No one would have known if we went missing. No one knew. And so it is so true that you can be surrounded by a crowd of people, but you're still completely alone. You can actually share a house and even a bed with someone and still feel alone. You can have hundreds and even thousands of friends on Facebook and Instagram, but still be completely alone. We spend so much time giving people our likes on a screen, and if we, we would be much better off if we even just spent a little bit of our time giving one person our love instead of thousands our likes. Like, we are turning into the most unsocial generation and, and relationally inadequate, relationally deficient. It's so easy to still feel alone in a crowd of people. But God knew what he was saying when he said, it is not good for man to be alone. He knew what he was talking about. So you may not really like it, but we are not the kind of church that you can sneak in and sneak out of. I know some of you don't really want us up in your business, but at some point we're going to get up in your business because we love you and we understand the divine importance of doing relationships, doing life together, not being alone. You know, and you may have been coming for a while, and you've been successful at being unknown. And I hope, as the pastor of this church, I really, really hope that we have done our best to get you connected. 
Because we don't just put on prayer meetings just to pray. We actually want you to be connected. We don't put on these different events and things like that just because we're bored and we're, we have all this energy and we have nothing else to do. We actually really want you to be connected. We do whatever we can to provide opportunities for you to be connected. But if you have somehow managed to be a little ninja and sneak in and out month after month or even year after year, I hope that's not on us. I hope that is you trying to be intentional about remaining disconnected. But I pray to God that there is a time where you decide to get yourself planned to be known in the house of God, to do life with the people that God has placed around you for a very specific person for this time. You know, and I understand, so our, our vision here at C3 Church is that everybody, well, not our vision statement, but one of the things we really want to do here at C3 Church is to make sure that everybody is known and everybody is cared for. To be known and cared for. And I understand that it's a very audacious task. I mean, just one campus has 2,500 people. To make sure everyone is known and cared for is really a difficult thing to do. But that is our heart. And I know that at times we probably have failed. And I know because we are humans, we will probably fail people again. But that doesn't mean we don't keep trying to make sure that everyone is known and cared for. We want everyone to be known and cared for. And there's no way we can do that on the large scale. And it has to be done in smaller communities within connect groups and volunteer teams and building relationships with one another. We're going to need each other at some point. You may not feel like you need anyone in here right now, but there will be a day you need us. And I hope we know you to know that you need something. You know, there was, it was, I, I don't know if it was about a month ago now, we lost a beautiful man in our church. David Sheridan, he was on his way to a prayer meeting, Tuesday morning prayer, riding his bike, and he tragically was struck by a vehicle, and he lost his life. He was so loved in our church by us in here and over in our kids' church. Those kids loved Mr. David. He served them with his whole heart. He was so connected in kids' church with all the volunteer leaders and everyone in a connect group and relationships. And when that tragedy struck and he was laying in that hospital bed, at any given moment, there was anywhere from 6 to 15 people from our church in that hospital room praying and believing for the family, bringing food, providing finances, prayers, support, whatever we could do. They have never been alone in this journey, and they will continue to not be alone as they go through the journey of grieving and healing the loss of that incredible man and as I was in that hospital room and we were praying I felt the Holy Spirit say this to me and I knew it just it was for me but I knew it wasn't just meant for me and I knew I'd be sharing this when I sat there in that hospital room and I saw the beautiful expression of what the church was truly meant to be in the time of crisis I felt the Holy Spirit say to me who would be at your bedside if tragedy struck and I asked that for myself, but then I wanted to ask that to all of us. Who would be at our bedside? Who would be with our families if tragedy struck? Would anyone even know tragedy struck you or your family? Are you known? And then I realized the level of care that they were receiving, and then I felt this from the Holy Spirit. And I wanna ask the question, have we sowed into relationships so much that we would reap that level of a harvest of care? Have we sown into relationships in this family that we would, that we would reap a harvest of care to that level? 
You know, because some people want all the benefits of a church family without ever really belonging to it. And I know, and when I, I wrote that and I wrote, I'm not trying to be harsh because I'm, because it's not my heart to be harsh with that. However, some people want all the benefits of being in a family, but they aren't a part of it. And, we, and, I, and I know we're supposed to love everyone, be kind to everyone, provide if, if we can, meet a need if we can. That's what we're called to do as Christians, as believers, absolutely. However, the neighbor kids in my neighborhood don't expect the same level of care from me as my kids do as I'm, as I'm their mother. Because I'm not their mother, and they don't live in my house. So I hope that I'm... I'm communicating that clearly. Our heart is to never overlook or not care for or love or be there for you in a crisis. But are you a part of the family? Because when you're a part of a family, use your family as an example. Like, so when you have a family, I know who's in my family. I know them by name. I, and I know that. And I know them because they're present. They're present in my house. And they all do their part to make the house work to make the house go round. Everyone does their part with the chores, right? And I also, as a family, I know strengths and weaknesses of my kids or my husband and vice versa. I, I see them on their best day and their worst day. And if you're a healthy, strong family, you love them even when it's a, their worst day. So when you are a part of a family, you are known as a family member. So I just wanna encourage you. This isn't to sound like a rebuke, but do we know you? Like, if you went missing, would anyone know? If there was an accident, would anyone know that we need to get to the hospital? Who would you call? Are you a part of the family? Do we know your name? There was, recently, I was uh, in the Rock Church in San Diego purchased a building that was the, like one of the longest standing strip clubs in San Diego. And I was so pumped. I'm like, yes, we're taking property from the devil and turning it for good. Like I was so excited to see that they purchased this strip club and they're gonna turn it into something magnificent for Jesus. And so I'm on there going, yay, C3 Church loves you. We're so pumped. Like, well done, Rock Church. And uh, so I was just encouraging the Rock and um, a gal hopped on, she goes, oh yeah, C3 Church, that church that chooses who to care for in a crisis. And I was like, oh gosh, ouch. Like if you just tell us privately, if there's a problem, like dear God. So my pastor heart immediately, like yeah, I was kind of like, uh, but then I was like, shoot, did we not look after someone? So I sent her in like a private message immediately. And I was like, hey, like, I saw your post and I just need to reach out because if there, if, if we wronged you or something went awry, please help us. Like, I want to apologize, but I also want to learn how to do things better if we overlooked you. Like, you know, and so we got into a conversation back and forth and really at the end of the day, I mean, it, it came down to the fact that she wasn't really known. So she wanted the full benefit of this family, but we didn't even know she was a part of it. And if we would have known she was a part of it, we would have absolutely, absolutely been there because that's our heart to care and to know what's going on in everyone's worlds. So if you want the full benefit of this family, the body of Christ, I want to encourage you to be a part of it and become known and to not sneak in and out week after week because you will need us at some point. Life isn't always rainbows, buttercups, and pixie dust.
My daughter would appreciate if I threw in unicorn. Unicorns, okay. Uh, so as the church grows larger, it is, an, it is an impossible task to look after you from just the senior pastor level or the campus pastor level. That is why smaller communities and connect groups are so important because you may not be known by the masses, but if you're in a connect group, someone's gonna know you, they're gonna know what you're going through, they're gonna make sure you get through it and get through it well. So tonight I wanna talk, that was a really long introduction. Shoot. Okay, so the title of my message <laughs> I'm funny. Okay, <clears throat> my kids start school tomorrow, so I'm a little bit crazy right now. <laughs> Went straight from vacation to the marriage retreat to back home and school. Yay, yay, packing lunches. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so the title of my message is The Power of Us. The Power of Us. And I'm going to read a very long portion of scripture. In Daniel 3, 12 to 27, because I really think we can pull some things from the story to understand the importance of relationships, doing life with one another, having people around you to surround you as you go through this life, the ups and downs of life. So Daniel 3, 12 through 27. So we're going to pick up the story. The king had made a decree that every time the, the sound of the flute and the harp and all, at any time they heard music, they were supposed to bow down and worship a golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had made. And so, um, so at this point, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not bowing down to this image, and someone came to the king to accuse them. So that's where we're picking this up. Verse 12. So there's a certain... There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to, Shadrach, to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready, at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, harp, the lyre, the psaltery, and symphony, with all kinds of music, you will fall down and worship the image which I have made. Good? But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Ah, ah, ah. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not... Let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor we worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression of his face changed towards them. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were with his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men fell down bits, wow, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. 
Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out here. Then they came from the midst of the fire, and the satraps, administrators, governors, and king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. Like, oh my goodness, this really happened. Can you imagine? Like, this actually happened. Three men were thrown into a fire that was hot. I don't even understand how you heat a fire seven times more, but I'm just saying it was seven times hotter than it normally was. And yet, they, nothing harmed them. They came out and the smell of smoke was not even on them. This is miraculous. So I wanna learn from this story tonight. The first thing I wanna share with you that I love about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't bow down. Point number one, don't bow down. No matter how bad it seems, don't bow down, don't bend your knee, and do not compromise the word of God. In that scripture, Daniel 3.15, it says, but if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. So the scenario could not get much worse. You either bow down to a false god or you're going to die in a fire. Could not get more terrible circumstances. But the thing is about bowing down and worshiping another idol is that would have been disobedient to God. Because we know in Exodus 20 that it says you shall have no other gods before me. And you won't bow down and worship any golden images that have been set up. And so they were being obedient to God. And because they were being obedient, they potentially were going to be killed, thrown into a fire. Couldn't get any worse. And I can imagine the enemy was being, uh, going, it's, it's just taking a knee. Like, it's just a little compromise. It's really not that bad. I'm not asking you to kill anyone. Like, it's not that bad. Just take a knee and you'll live. I know the enemy was whispering in their ears. It's just a little compromise. I'm sure God will overlook it. But I want to present to you tonight that there is no such thing as a little compromise. Because big downfalls always start with little compromises. Little compromises. Try telling this to Ananias and Sapphira, that there's not a little compromise. They had one little lie, one little lie, one little compromise. And because of that little lie, they both, both lost their life. They died because of a little compromise. What about Samson and Delilah? Stinking Samson. They said, no, don't. One, one compromise of a relationship that he should not have been in. So his, everyone's warning him, like, you're not supposed to marry an ungodly woman, a Philistine woman. You're not to be with her. But he's like, but I want her. And so he totally went against, against his parents, and he went against the word of God, and he married Delilah. And because he compromised in the relationship that he then vowed in marriage to, he was ended up being tricked. He lost his strength. He was uh, taken into captivity. He became a slave. They plucked out his eyes, and they, he eventually lost his life along with 300,000 Philistines because of one little compromise, beginning a relationship with someone that he knew he shouldn't have been in. What about Adam and Eve? It was one little compromise, one little bite of an apple. And because of that little compromise, sin entered the world and Jesus had to come to earth and die a brutal death on the cross to redeem mankind. You cannot convince me that there's no such thing as a little compromise. Big downfalls always start with little compromises. Every single one of these stories started with a little compromise. And the enemy's always going to whisper in your ear, it's not that big a deal. No one's going to find out. 
No one's going to get hurt. It's just this once. He's a liar. He's a liar. Compromising and sin will always lead to destruction. It does not lead to life. It leads to death and destruction. There is no such thing as a little compromise. And the enemy is such a liar because he always minimizes the possible consequences of your compromise. But then he maximizes the shame, the pain, and the guilt after you've committed the compromise. He's a liar. Sin always leads to destruction. And it's a series of bowing your knee to those little compromises that one day you wake up and you are so far off track. You are, you are in a place you never dreamed you'd be. I grew up in a Christian home. We went to Awanas when we were kids. Who else? Who knows of Awanas? Yes. I love Awanas. So if you know what, it's like a club where you go and you play games and everyone has a little red vest and you have the plastic crown pin. And then when you memorize your Bible verses, they give you little jewels to glue in your crown. And so um, they, they kind of categorize you, you know, by ages and you get little names of what you are. And I was a spark. I was a spark for Jesus. Remember that? We're sparks for Jesus. We are sparks for Jesus, sparks to light the world. We will shine for Jesus as we tell each boy and girl. We will hide God's word in our heart. We will serve him right from the start. From his love we never will part, for we are sparks, 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 sparks to light the world. I was a spark for Jesus. I had the red vest, I had the crowns, I had the jewels, I, had, I knew the song, I knew it all. I was a spark for Jesus. I was a Christian girl growing up in a Christian home. But then at the age of 14, at the age of 14, one little compromise. My friends warned me about this older guy and they said, he's not good. He's not good, he's not a believer, don't date him. But I compromised, I compromised. It's not that big of a deal. It's just one date, it's just one date. And then what, what ended up happening as a 14 year old girl, I got, got so trapped in this relationship, it began a downward spiral of drinking, drugs and abuse. And it took me 10 years to fully recover and heal from the damage that was done because of that one little compromise that began in a relationship that was not godly. There was no such thing as a little compromises. You, you, you do a series of little compromises and you, and you end up in a place you never dreamed you would be. Don't let the enemy tell you that it's not that big a deal. He's a liar. He's a liar. No one's walking with God, completely walking with God, surrendered to Jesus, and wakes up one day and says, I'm going to get into an abusive relationship today. It doesn't happen like that. You're not walking with God and go, oh, I'm going to smoke crack today. No one's walking with God and goes, oh, I'm going to be completely unethical in my business finances. No one wakes up one day and says, this is the day I destroy my marriage. No one's walking with God and then wakes up one day and they're involved in a full-blown affair. No, Pastor Leanne said it this morning, the enemy is a gradual thief. He's a gradual thief with those little compromises. It'll lead you down the path you never intended. So don't bow your knee to the little compromises. Amen? Amen. I'm skipping lots of things. Okay. The second thing. Have people around you that will help you believe for big things. Have people around you that will help you believe for big things. In Daniel 3, 17 through 18. So they just found out they're going to be cast into the fire if they don't bow down. And they say this, if that is the case, 
our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. So what I thought was really interesting about this, I actually wonder which one of the three made that statement. They weren't all saying that in unison. <laughs> one of them, one of them said, hey, our God is going to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us. There was one of them. I have, we have no idea what the other two were thinking. They'd be like, oh, really? Oh, really? Speak yourself, big shot. Big shot showbo, you speak for yourself. I'm about to take a knee. Like seriously, we're about to throw you in a fire and one of them spoke for the three of them. One of them had faith and believed for the impossible when the other two were probably be growing weary in their faith. We all need a friend that will fight for us and believe with us and for us when our faith is failing. Our faith can move other people's mountains. And sometimes our friend's faith can move our mountains. We all need friends who will believe in faith for us when our faith is failing. You know, my mom years ago when she was diagnosed with cancer, she had, she had a really terrible cough for about two or three years. And she kept going to the doctor saying, something is wrong with me. And they just kept telling her she had asthma and sending her home. And she knew she didn't have asthma. But finally, it was like well into the second year. And she went back to the doctor and she demanded that they do some x-rays and and things like that. And, and what they actually found was that she had a six by eight inch tumor right behind her heart. And it was pressing on her so much that it was causing her to cough up all of this uh, stuff. And, and then she was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. And so because of the fact of the pressure of the tumor that was being put on her heart, they said, we never do surgery on Hodgkin's lymphoma, but if we don't take this out, you will die. And so she was rushed into basically open heart surgery and they removed this tumor. And then immediately after that, she began 12 rounds of chemo and five weeks of radiation. And we were all very hopeful, believing in faith, standing in faith, declaring the word of God. You know, all the family was together and we were reading books on healing and doing whatever we could to pray and believe for the miraculous. But then after all that treatment, all those rounds of chemo and radiation, they found that it had zero effect that none of the tumors were shrinking. They were actually growing during the chemo and the radiation. And so they didn't know what to tell my mom. And I remember after they got that diagnosis, they said, we're gonna give you one to maybe three years at most. Like we don't, we, there's nothing else we can do for you. And so I remember at that point hearing that after battling for so long in faith and believing for the miraculous, I started to grow really weary. And I just felt like I couldn't muster up the faith to believe anymore. And at that time, I reached out to a beautiful friend of mine, Vanessa, who now attends South Campus. And I remember just sharing with her that my faith was growing weary. And she, she got a strong voice and she came back at me and she says, Becky, only believe. Becky, only believe. By his stripes, your mom is healed. She's going to be made well. It's going to be okay. She's going to live. She will not die. And she started building up faith in me again and prophesying life and not death over my mom. 
I needed a friend that would believe for me when I couldn't believe for myself. And what was even more powerful about her words was that a year prior, she had lost her mom to cancer. And I just remember sitting there listening to her words, being so impacted by her faith. But despite her experience and despite her loss, she still stood on the word of God and believed in faith that my mom would be healed, even though her mom didn't get her healing on this side of eternity. She did not lower her expectations of what God could do because of her experience. We cannot stand on other people's experiences. We have to stand on the word of God. What does God say? What does God say about your situation? Don't look at other circumstances and situations. What does the word of God say and stand on that? We, we need to fight the good fight of faith with and for our friends. We need to believe for the possible with and for one another. And that is what the church does. That is the power of us. That is the power of us. When you're growing weary, we will stand with you. When you don't have anything else in you to fight, we will fight for you. You don't have to go through the battle alone. You don't have to go through the fire alone. We are here. We are the body of Christ, the family of God. The power of us. And I'm happy to tell you that we stood together on the word of God and my mom was pronounced cancer free in Jesus name. Yes, give God a shout. When our faith fails, we need friends who will do it for us. Do we have those friends in this body of believers? Have you made yourself known? I hope I am encouraging you tonight to get connected. We don't want you to ever go through anything like that alone. We want to be there for you. Amen? The third point, we need to be bound to the right people. We've got to be bound to the right people. Daniel 3, 20 through 21 in that scripture says, and he commanded the certain mighty men of valor who were with his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. These men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and other garments, and they were cast in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. These guys were going through this together. I loved when Jeff Forbes preached a few weeks ago talking about we friends. We friends say, we're going to get through this together. What can we do to make sure your marriage gets better? What can, what can we do? We're here with you. They were we friends. Can you imagine, though, if there wasn't the three of them? Like, what if it was just one and he was faced with bow down or you're going to die? Bow down or you're going to be thrown too far. Can you imagine just one of you, one of you? Like, I, I think about me. If that was me, and I was by myself, and no one else was around to support me, to help me believe for the impossible, I'm just being honest, I would have been like, <laughs> like honestly, like I don't know if I would have that amount of faith to be looking at a fire that is seven times hotter, which is apparently very hot, <laughs> by myself, and not, succumb to the pressure of just taking a knee, compromising in that moment. But they had we friends. When one started to go like, huh, they're like, get up, get up. Don't compromise. Come on, believe for the impossible. We can do this together. You're not alone. 
We all need to be bound to the right kind of people. We all need good friends that won't let us compromise in challenging circumstances. We all need good friends that will tell us when we're being an idiot. We all need those kind of friends that will be honest enough with us to tell us that we're being an idiot, that we're making bad choices. We all need good friends that will pull us back on track when we get sidetracked with distractions with sin. We all need good friends that won't just comfort us, but will confront us when needed. We all need good friends. Do you have friends in your world, husbands, that can tell you when you are treating your wife terribly? Who can tell you that? Do you have anyone that can actually confront you on that? Wives, do you have anyone in your world that can tell you when you're being disrespectful to your husband? Is there anyone in your world that can tell you to knock it off when you're flirting with being unfaithful? Do you have friends that can tell you you're, being, you're compromising in your business dealings? You're being unethical. Who can say that to you? Young people, oh, we need to pray for our young people in schools and in colleges. The biggest battle I had to fight in college was I was so brave I stood up for creation instead of evolution in science class. That was the biggest stand I had to take for Jesus in my school. But nowadays, oh my goodness, our young people are being faced with a barrage of things we never would have thought would become possible. We are dealing with boys and girls going into each other's restrooms because they feel like a female that day when they're a boy. We have, we have schools telling our children they should experiment with the same sex. How do you know you're heterosexual? You should experiment. We have, we have teachers telling our kids these things. There was a post and I think the teacher actually got let go because I made a big fuss about it on social media and everyone else got on board. But there was a college professor that in the, cl the class assignment was write a fantasy, sensual or sexual. And that was their assignment. They were supposed to write a sexual fantasy for their teacher to read. Like what I'm telling you, and that's just like the stuff I can talk about from the pulpit. There are crazy things happening. The sex curriculum they're trying to push for our fifth and sixth graders are things that blow my mind. I don't even want to hear that stuff as an adult. The things our kids have to deal with now in schools, young people, learn to speak the truth in love, but don't bow your knee to the, the lies that are being fed to you. Don't bow your knee to political correctness. Don't bow your knee to the devil's agendas. Stand up, man of God. Stand up, woman of God. We need your voice. We need your voice. We are, the church is one generation away from extinction. You are it. You are it. We need you to have a voice of truth, a voice of love, a voice of grace, and you lead those lost people to Jesus. I am determined that we, things are not going to get worse on our watch. It's not going to get worse on our watch. We've got to take a stand. We can't bow our, our knee to everything that the world is telling us is politically correct in the name of acceptance and tolerance. I'm not going to tolerate the world going to hell in a handbasket. I'm sorry. I took a little nap today in between services. Still a little delirious, but... It was the craziest thing because I woke up and this whole statement went across my mind. And so I just grabbed from my phone and just typed it in. And I don't know why I was even thinking about this. In a three second moment, I, I wrote, I'd rather be less popular with people and please Jesus than compromise the truth to win a crowd. 
I'd rather be less popular with people and please Jesus than compromise the truth to win a crowd. I'm not gonna do it. We need each other. We need to be bound to the right kind of people. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 says, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. They're in real trouble if you fall alone. We need to be bound to the right kind of people. And I actually think being bound to the wrong people can be just as destructive as being bound to no one. I, I tend to go back to that scripture and go, I, he probably fell because he was alone. There was a no one there to pull him back on track when he started to veer off track. I remember way back in the day when John was still in real estate. He was working for a company, a real estate company that was very successful. A small group of guys there, John was the only Christian and he was making really, really good money. Um, but there was some corruption in the company. And, uh, you know, and when I say successful, so one of his checks was, he came home with one commission check of $83,000. He was hilarious. He came home. Now, I remember I was sitting at the little table, and he goes, he threw it down, he goes, bam, how do you like me now? <laughs> That's what he said. You're so funny. You're so cute. So, so he was very successful. But this company, this is before the whole like sexual harassment thing was popular and you know boundaries at the workplace. None of that was talked about back in the day. And uh, this company, basically it was kind of like a requirement that all the guys would go on these guy trips. They all were in relationships, whether they had fiancés or they were married. But it was just an understanding that everyone goes on these trips and everybody's unfaithful on these trips and then nobody talks about it. And then we would know these things, then we'd see their wives and their girlfriends, and we know what you did. It was just, it was terrible. And I remember John just came to me. He just goes, I cannot do this anymore. I cannot be bound to these kind of people, no matter how much money I'm making. And I remember we didn't really know how our financial situation was gonna play out if you walked away from that job, but everything in me was like, yes, let's cut the tie. And we were in full agreement, not a worry in the world how we were gonna be taken care of financially because I knew God would honor the decision for us not to be bound to sinful and corrupt and compromising people. Are the people that you're bound to really comfortable with your compromise? Are the people that you're bound to encouraging you to compromise? Or are the people that you are, are, are you bound to encouraging you to get closer to God, to, to, to make right decisions, to stand up when everyone else is taking a knee? Who are you bound to? It really matters. And no amount of money or success was gonna make us potentially lose the things that were really important. And that's us. Some of us need to cut some ties to people that we're bound to today. We need to cut those relationships loose. And that doesn't mean we don't love them. We just cut off the ability for them to impact our futures, right? And I'm, I am coming to a close. So we need to cut some ties if we're bound to the wrong people. But again, I wanna to speak to some people that aren't bound to anyone. It's just as dangerous. 
The enemy does everything he can to isolate, to keep us alone and not within the body of Christ for that accountability, for that encouragement, for that camaraderie. I was recently at one of our campuses across San Diego and I had seen, I saw a gal that I hadn't seen in a long time. And so we started chatting and, and she, she had let me know that she hadn't been in church in a really long time. And she just kind of broke down because I asked her what was going on and she said, we're talking about divorce. And they have beautiful little kids, somewhat newly married. And I just, my heart was breaking and she was broken. She's like, it's just a mess, it's a mess. And I just don't see it getting better. And I, my questions were, because I, I didn't attend that campus, I said, well, who are you connected to? Like, who do you know? Are you in a connect group? Do you, like, who are your friends? Like, who can we make sure to connect you with, to really look after you, to walk this out with you, and all that? And she goes, no one. And I said, uh, like, I go, does anyone even know? Like, you guys are struggling. She goes, no. You're the first person I said anything to. And so... I thought to myself, and I said this to her, I said, this is the problem. I said, you aren't in relationship with anyone that will help you, that will keep you accountable, that will encourage your marriage. And I quoted that scripture to her and said, it could be that you have fallen into this because there was no one there to help pick you up and no one there to make sure you didn't fall down. And so obviously immediately we did whatever we could and I said, you're coming to the marriage retreat. And we're making sure they're in a connect group and they, they're back in the house of God. Praise the Lord in accountability. They're gonna be in connection. They have some hope restored. And I know God's gonna do an amazing work in their life. But thank God we had that encounter. Thank God. So being alone is just as dangerous as being bound to the wrong people. The enemy loves to isolate us. And we've all heard this story over and over and over again. The, the, the enemy, the, the wolf or, the, or whoever eats sheep, I don't know. I don't know what animals eat sheep. But the ones that go after the sheep, they never go after the one that's in the center of the, the little herd. No, they always wait till one starts to wander off. Like, ooh, butterfly, you know? And then they're like, rah! Like, they go after the one that has separated from the pack, from the herd. They never like are so, what's another word that's an, not, I'm thinking of an appropriate word. It, they're not so, the enemy's not so stupid to like, jump into the middle of this and think they can take someone out if they're fully connected. They go after the one that strayed. But even though we know that, it happens over and over and over again. So that's why it's so important to go after the one. That's that scripture when there's a hundred and there's only 99, we've got to go after the one because we, and why we have to go after the one is because we know the enemy is already on their trail. He's already ready to devour and to destroy their future. That's why we have to go after the ones that have separated away from the flock. We can't do life alone. This is so important. The power of us is so important. We wanna look after you. We wanna love on you. We wanna care for you, but we can't do it in the masses. We need to build relationships in smaller communities and connect groups and on teams and become known because someone can know what you're going through and help you. I may never know, but there will be someone that can know and make sure that you get through your trial. Amen? Amen. Thank you so much for joining us online. We hope you had a powerful experience. We wanna take this time to personally help you navigate the next steps in becoming connected. 
If you made a decision for Christ today, need prayer, or want more information about our church, go to our website, c3sandiego.com. And if you didn't get a chance to give online during service and would like to contribute financially, you can go to c3give.com and click on the giving option that works best for you. We look forward to hearing from you. See you at church.